And we're live with our 130th episode of Absolute AppSec. I'm Ken Johnson at CK Tricky on Twitter, joined by my co-host Seth Law at Seth Law on Twitter. So say hi. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode. Um, Ken and I were talking this last week. I realized that we've been doing this, what, for three years now, right? We started in 2018. Three years as of this last January, so we're a little over now. Yeah, we're a little over. Um, so congratulations to us, apparently. But um, I guess, if that's what you want to call it. Um, there's been a couple weeks. You know, we take vacations and things, but it's been good. Um, there's uh, mm-hmm. There's been quite a few items in the news recently. Um, we are... Um, and, and actually, like we, we didn't talk about this pre-show, Ken, but I've, you know, I've, I'm involved with Hacker Tracker with DEFCON planning. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens there this year, um, because I, like there's been a couple of meetings and things like that, and it basically everybody's like, "Eh, I don't know. Like we don't know what we're going to do. We're, no one knows up until like two weeks before, which makes it really hard to plan any sort of a conference." <laughs> Because, you know, number one, right, like the number of people, like how much you can plan on for, you know, just money to pay for stuff, right? Uh, number two, like the number of villages and other things that they have. And, um, yeah, all those people have to decide whether or not they want to come or if they want to run it virtually. How do you stream virtually at the same time as having people on site if you're doing a hybrid conference? And then it's the hacker uh, crowd that has traditionally not wanted to have any sorts of records. And now we're going to have to ask them to register so we can plan. Right. It's just like this whole weird, like dichotomy of our conglomerate of different, like competing interests. And yeah, anyway, but uh, black hat is on, they are doing virtual trainings this year though. Um, so Ken and I, uh, like, if, if someone has an opinion on whether or not they'd like to do virtual training for the code review course, hit us up, right? Because um, we're trying to decide whether or not it's it's worthwhile for us to do. Um, we prefer the in-person classes, but we are willing to do virtual as well. Like, there's some things that we can do to make that uh, a better, not necessarily a better, but at least give it the same sort of fill as an in-person. Um, but, yeah, let us know. Anyway, so apparently I'm going off on conferences today. No, Can't actually, I was going to ask if if people because to so we can gauge interest and like opinions. If people want to email us at absoluteabsec at gmail dot com, please do because again, we're just like sitting here debating if it makes sense to do. We don't know if there's like a ton of interest in the virtual platform. We're already working on. It's not going to be somewhere we do training, but we are working on like a very small in person meetup for like one of our next mid. Some midsummers potentially. Um, so there's a lot for us going on and we're trying to decide if this makes sense. So yes, if you have input, absoluteabsec at gmail.com or DM, DM us on Slack, whichever you prefer. Yeah. Cool. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, we know that the, yeah, the black hat conference, right? Like it's quality trainings that are there. So um it's, it's always good. They, they do a pretty good job of curating content and curating training courses, but yeah, virtual just isn't, I, I mean, personally, virtual is not, virtual is not my favorite because I, I do like to be in the room with people and have those conversations, which we don't always get on the virtual side of things. People have a, are less apt to ask questions and to actually speak up when they have to do it in a vir- virtual format. So yeah, I definitely um, feel a little virtualed out at this point. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, we were talking about that. Like I haven't been tracking like the last couple of months, right? Like I haven't been tracking a lot of conferences or talks or, mm-hmm. you know, much as far as virtual assets go. I, I mean, maybe that's just a result of being so busy with everything else that's going on, right? Um, I know like yeah, you too. Uh, just like work has been crazy as things have started to open back up. It feels like my day has just gotten worse and worse. <laughs> but yeah, we're, we're, it's, for me, it's because the, you know, we've expanded uh, so much on the GitHub security team. We've added so much headcount that there's, you know, the logistics of just, of just interviewing people and, you know, 
getting people through the pipeline and building all that collateral and making sure that we have the right people scheduled there, you know, there's just, that, that alone I'm learning is when you do like all at once, a bunch of headcount is a very difficult to manage thing. It's not possible. It's not like you can't do it well. You can, thankfully we're set up well to do it, but it's so time intensive. So yeah. it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Anyways. Well, and I mean, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, like onboarding, you know, resources and, you know, just finding juniors and encouraging people to be like juniors in the space. But yeah, yeah. I, 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 like you forget from a company perspective and from a senior perspective, how much time that actually takes. Um, and even getting uh, people that are experienced in the field onboarded to a company is, a, is no joke, right? Like it's not a, you know, hey, here's a, here's an hour long discussion and you're going to learn everything that you need to know. Uh, it just doesn't happen that way. So anyway, well. Yeah. yeah, one thing I'm excited about with our change is that now we're working, because like Security Labs was not part of security, believe it or not, at GitHub previously. So all that cool research and all that work was actually outside of our department. So now we are all under security. And that is going to mean that we get to work a lot more closely. So for me, that's just like, I know I'm just talking about my own personal stuff on the podcast, but whatever. It's, it's actually like pretty nice. And, and that's a nice change. So whatever, whatever. It's our podcast. I'll talk about what I want. want. Don't judge me. <clears throat> Anyways, speaking of which, we don't have a ton to talk about today, I think. Cause just, we, we have, like, as you mentioned, been so, so swamped yeah. lately. Yeah. Well, I did want to bring up that. Um, I think uh, the, the segment stuff that came out over the last week, two weeks, right? And I know we have, yes. um, is it Javil? Is that his name? Jeevan. Jeevan. Javon. 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 Sorry, yeah. sorry Javon. I, think. But I know we've got him Ed coming names. on the podcast to talk about it. Because um, that, that's super interesting. And threat modeling is always one of those issues. So so basically, if you haven't seen it yet, and we'll, you know, we'll post this again, obviously, once... Um, yeah, I think it's next week, actually. Yeah, is he's coming, coming on, on next week? week. Yeah, okay. actually, yes, it is next week. So next week, he's coming on to talk about his open source. If you want to find the link, so I'll, yeah. So, because like he open sourced that training material and it's going to come on to like basically walk everyone through it. And he's so nice that he, um, you know, because internally for us, uh, GitHub, Jason White, who's been on the podcast, he's on our team. He leads awareness at GitHub, um, which is like, you know, encompassing of a lot of things but part of that's obviously training so he's doing the threat modeling training to get our developers up to speed on how to do their own threat models we're trying to make things a little bit more self-service as i've talked about on the podcast many times so this is one effort going towards that and so now like it, he's so nice that he reached out and was like hey if jason wants to you know coordinate and um you know Brit, like share information share, but, you know, really like get, hear how I did it, the pitfalls, the good things, all that stuff, like hit me up. So I, I forwarded this information, but yeah, that's how this, it's just so nice. Like providing all this, this stuff publicly and, you know, that he built was like really, really cool. Uh, well, so yeah, yeah, it I, seems to be doing that. As yeah, like a, and yeah. They're really good about releasing the data and actually, you know, getting the time to blog about it, right? Because this this is obviously on their blog, but it has links to the the, the open source um, artifacts that they have for doing the threat modeling um, and how they have the developers doing it, right? Like that's kind of the the panacea, right? Like that's the that's the goal with threat modeling is that the security team doesn't necessarily need to be there and they're identifying threats and reducing threats. So it'll be interesting to talk to him about that and how it's gone. Um, I, like I always have a hard time with the, as a consultant, right? Like stepping in and trying to tell people how to do threat modeling internal to their organization, because I can lay out something like what they've put together here, but I'm not implementing it. Right. Like it's not, right. it's not on me. It's on me to train the security people that are going out and trying to do that with the different teams. Uh, so it, it'll be a good discussion. That's all I was trying to say. And I'm excited about that because it, you know, it, it is something that pops up all the time. I mean, I know here locally with us, like our local OWASP group, they always want to talk about threat modeling because they're running, you know, all, we got a bunch of people on ProdSec teams that are trying to get threat modeling going in their organizations. Some are more successful than others. So, yeah. Well, be- like the whole idea for, you know, us is that we, we want developers to be, ha- to because everybody talks about having developers have like 
security at the forefront of their minds, but nothing gives you that quite the same way as right from the beginning, as you're designing something, going through and being like, okay, here's all the individual components in a diagram. Let's walk through it and break down where it's almost like a, you've heard the concept of a pre-mortem where you, you like pretend that something, some engagement or event or whatever already happened or some product was released or whatever. And you pretend that you're doing the post-mortem on that of all the things that went wrong and you just do that ahead of time. And that's essentially what it is, right? It's just a pre-mortem exercise where you're saying like, here's all the things that can go wrong from a security perspective based off of this diagram. And you get them to really think about all of the areas that like things could go wrong, what risks, what, what, what controls are reasonable, right? That's part of it. Like what's reasonable and what's, I mean, we can build the most ultra secure thing, but is it like, does it make sense to do it that way? Um, like, you know, where's the balance struck? So yeah. anyways, it's just the idea and how he does and how he specifically does threat model training is really relatable. And that's the part that I can't wait for him to really describe to everybody is like, yeah, the thinking process behind that. But anyways, that's like the expanded version of, of all that fun stuff. Yep. Yeah. It'll be, yeah, it'll be good. So, um, yeah, we're excited to have him on. Um, and we've got other people coming up over the next couple of months, right? Like we've, we've scheduled people out now. Um, I mean, it's not every week obviously, but yeah, it'll be, it'll be good. Yeah. We've um, got some good guests coming up now that, uh, some lazy person started gosh. doing what he was supposed to do all along. This guy. Yeah, actually. Um, and speaking of that, I, on the topic of not doing things, um, I owe the people that from the last round, I still owe them the mail of swag. And then, um, oh, I'm going to email the speakers from uh, midwinter. I didn't mention that to you. I'm going to be emailing the speakers from midwinter's con to, uh, have them, you know, get their special, their special swag, which I can't wait. I, I can't wait for someone to actually, cause it's a secret, but once you see it, yeah. you're going to laugh. I promise. So yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah. Good. Um, and yeah, like always, if you've got people that are topics that you want to talk about, jump into the Slack channel. Um, let us know, right? Like, I know, and you know, Derek, Eric, and there's a, there's a bunch of people that are in there that are always pretty active and willing to answer questions outside of me and Ken as well. Uh, it's a good group and yeah, but, um, so that kind of brings us to our big topic today. Um, I don't know if you've heard about like this, this whole like Facebook, right? Like it's, it's apparently a, it's apparently a thing, a social media site, right? People are on it. And, and apparently there was some sort of a breach. Right. Yeah. Sure. Um, yeah, sure. Yeah. So we wanted to talk about the breach a little bit, um, because there are some interesting takes and interesting, um, things that have happened with the, with the breach data and with Facebook's response over the last week. Whoa, you're whoa. calling it breach data. Whoa, oh, so, whoa, whoa. <laughs> okay. Okay. So let's go back. Whoa, so whoa, whoa. <laughs> Facebook's scraped <laughs> data <laughs> from <laughs> a couple of years ago. That's been on the dark web. And, uh, you know, after they <laughs> vowed to crack down on that after mm -hmm. uh, 2016 election, fraud and the 80 million records that were scraped by uh i forget their names the uh <laughs> cambridge analytica Cam yep cambridge analytica yep uh they said that that they were going to crack down on that the whole scraping um doesn't appear that happened. <laughs> I don't know what else to say because now it's 533. So in a way they did crack down by opening it up more. It's like a reverse yeah. psychology. It's reverse psychiatry. Yeah, yeah. Reverse psychology. <laughs> if we give you more data, then you won't want it. See, that's why that's, okay. how, that's how that works. Yeah. Now this um, was okay. And I told somebody this recently, like this was always the joke when I was at the bank, right? was we had these compliance regs that we had to meet because we had protected data, right? Like personal right. data of all of these, all of our customers. And that was always the joke was, hey, if we just released it all on the web or we just you know gave it away, we'd have to pay one single fine 
And then we never have to protect it again, right? Like we could just save all that money for years and years. And apparently that's the that that's what Facebook Facebook has decided to do, right? Like they just release all the data. Um, they're going to deal with the the fallout here over the next couple of weeks, and then everybody's going to forget about it and and move on, right? Sure, and that's I mean, that's actually usually what happens with Facebook is something bad happens, and then. Uh, everyone just keeps using it, so it doesn't. And if you're, by the way, if you work for Facebook, I'll I'll give the devil's advocate standpoint here. So don't get mad, don't don't log off or shut down yet. We'll talk we'll talk about the responsibility of the of the users because I don't know that I've seen anyone. Have you seen anyone talk about if these were accounts where people just didn't do the security kind of checkup stuff that you're supposed to do on your account to keep you know, presumably if you want to keep things private, keeping them private, does anyone mentioned that at all? Like, I am curious if these are people that, um, and to, did you, I don't think you mentioned yet that, uh, that, um, have I been, you didn't mention that yet, right? About have I no, been? No, no, no. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. So, um, I don't, I, the answer to your question is, I don't know, right. I haven't seen that research on it as far as what it is. I know it's specifically tied to the, the phone number. So the lookup look was, I mean, realistically, right. They're scraping data and that's the big, you know, complaint or dispute that Facebook have has is that it wasn't a breach. They were just using one of the API endpoints or one of the functions within the website itself to look up users based on phone numbers. But it's very, I like, basically they went through sequentially and dumped phone numbers. And if the phone number was associated with account, it came back with, a name, an email address. Like I think there's three or four pieces of information that are in that breach data. And I have looked at it, right? Just full disclosure. I've looked at some of the breach data. I was going in and looking for like, you know, personal connections to see if people that I knew that I need to be concerned about, like they should follow up on it. But you can do the same thing on have I been pwned. Um, What you're saying is you were trying to scam poor grandmothers out of their social security and, and retirement money is what you're saying. Hey, uh, Perfect. Good to know. <laughs> Good to know. Yep. That, that's where I go. Yeah. Um, well, but interestingly, yeah. mm-hmm. oh, go ahead. No, no, no. Keep going. Keep going. Sorry. Oh, no, no. I was just going to finish my thought on that. Like Facebook is disputing that it wasn't a breach. It was just someone that was scraping the data. Right. And they, they were pulling it out. Um, there, there is a, you know, there's a whole subculture of data collection and selling that goes on or a whole uh, aftermarket um, between different services. Right. And so I like it, it, like part of me understands that response that Facebook has had um, that, Hey, they, you know, they utilized our functionality, they scraped the data and now they're just giving it away on the dark web um, as opposed to some of these other services that'll actually sell that to you as like research data or like, you know, some of those sites, when you look up a phone number or you look up a name, they're pulling data from LinkedIn and other places, and then they're reposting it or repackaging it in a different form. So like part of me understands the response there, but it does kind of do away with this whole idea that Facebook is responsible for protecting that data in the first place. Yeah. What were you going to say? I forget already. It doesn't matter. You're, I, I was interrupting you anyways, uh, as I tend to do sometimes. Uh, so I no, it's just like, yeah, how much of that is on people though? I mean, like, I guess, is there a reason to put your phone number into Facebook? I mean, a good reason. Like, I, I don't know if they're, I'm saying that because, you know, they have apps, they have a marketplace and yeah. the, there may be reasons and maybe like, um, I guess, do they do tech? I don't do text to FA anymore. So I, I try to stick to apps now when I do it, but are they doing text to FA? And maybe that's also a good, I mean, I, I'd have to know what valid good reasons to provide them with that data. Like I see people put their birthdays in into Facebook and I see them do that. And, and that's part of the breach data too, is the, the birthdates. And I'm like, yep why would you do that? Like, so that somebody could tell you happy birthday. I mean, I admittedly, sometimes I get happy birthdays because, or I used to, because I put in a fake birthday. Um, and like, 
So like, I don't, I know you have to kind of give your, your roundabout age or you, they ask you for that. Yeah. Um, but like what, I don't, I just, I guess I'm, I just not sure. So why I said, don't get mad if you, if you're from Facebook is like, um, I'm sorry, but like you are giving your information out and like, I don't know what the terms of service look like for, for Facebook. Maybe it's like, well, I mean, there's a, there's a legality here and clearly they don't, they well, don't seem to be breaking the law. And it's sort of like you made the choice to trust this social media site that connects you with other people and provides all of your pictures. Like, you know, okay, sure. We got phone numbers and birth, date, dates of birth and all that birth, or birth dates, but like how much other information is on people's profiles a lot. Like, and so much so that I would argue that some people wouldn't want their employer to see what they post on Facebook because, you know, especially during this politically heated climate that we live in, a lot of people are kind of just venting on Twitter and Facebook. They're like, you know, whatever they're feeling in the moment. And again, like some of that stuff's a lot more, there's a lot worse potentially for them than like birth, birth dates and uh, phone numbers. And so I guess my point is like, unless there's like a really valid reason, I don't understand why people are giving this information away to begin with. I mean, yeah, I don't. Well, I, now, I mean, it's I will a- say, however, I I have to. However, I will say there, like you could say that make that same argument for Twitter, and I would be a hypocrite on there because I'm fairly certain I had provided my phone number there. I'm not certain if that was. I don't remember anymore if that was for two FA or if that was just part of like a secondary way to do account recovery, right? Which is the other thing that we're not we haven't really mentioned is that. When you go into, say, you've lost your password and then you've like, you know, switched phones and you've lost all your 2FA backup codes and all that stuff, right? There are ways that Google and Twitter and other companies have to recover your account that require this sort of data, right? This extra, this extra information. And so maybe there are some valid reasons there. And in that point, you know, again, this is back to Facebook kind of being like, hey, you didn't make it hard enough for people to scrape. I think there is a balance here between how much information you share and how much the platform needs to do to, to prevent uh, the, the automation, the, um, the automated collection of your, of everyone's data. Yeah. Well, I, so Facebook is about connecting people, right? I, I mean, if we really go back to it, you know, yes, it's an ad generator, right? Like at this point, but like it's all built around this idea of connecting people. And that's always been one of the things that it, it is attempted to do when you log in and you first sign up to the site is, oh, well, give us your, uh, your credentials to your email and we will go and find all the people that you are connected with in your email um, by email address and connect with them. And so I, I think that's where initially the phone number came from is, oh, it's now on your phone. I give you access to my address book. Um, and it'll go out and it'll look up people based on that. And then it, even then with the integrations with WhatsApp, where you're already texting people through WhatsApp using phone numbers, right? Like you're, you're trying to, you're, you're kind of tying this together, um, which, which, which part of me understands, but it still freaks me out a little bit, right? Even with Signal, that when people pop onto Signal that are in my address book, right? Like all of a sudden they just like get imported in and I'm like, whoa, right? Like Signal knows who you are and is giving me data about you, right? Like, yes, I already have it, but that feels a little... Uh, well, especially yeah. for a secure platform like that. Yep. Yeah. 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 I get the notifications when like someone that was in my contacts, like they're on Signal now and you're like, cool. Oh, cool. Good to know. Okay. You and I had a situation in which a psychopath who stalked one of their employees, uh, when that employee went on signal, uh, their assumption was that that employee was being subversive and trying to, in in finding, again, a psychopath that we know uh, of. uh, it was like, oh, this this employee is a, is being is like trying to look for another job, and somehow that's like them being evil or something like that. And um, so there was a real, and that person came to us, and so there's a real um, 
and that because again that employer got the notification and and went that route mentally there's a danger in that even so it's like you never really know like the ramifications of uh what this kind of stuff leads to essentially like the yeah well yeah yeah. and i mean if it's and that's this is just it right like if it's difficult for you and i and this always goes back to the usability factor of these things and security usability specifically because if it's if it's if it's difficult for you and i it's more difficult for someone that has no idea of like how to protect themselves or what's you know what's privacy information like my you know uh my parents, your parents, you know, like just uh, people that aren't as technically savvy. It's a much more difficult prospect because if Facebook pops up with a, a window that says we need your phone number, you can't log in with a small skip down in the bottom. What are they going to do? They're going to put in their phone number. Right? Like that's just human nature is to give that information away and that they're trusting of that platform. Um, I mean, yeah, there's the whole like scam of the calls and everything like that, that goes along with it. Right. Like, but um, where was I going with this? Oh, um, Derek is bringing up some good points, right? Like asking whether or not we authorize signal to, to, to allow access to the phone book. And honestly, I've been on signal for so long. I don't remember at this point, Same. Um, but, oh, uh, so yeah, that's just it. Like we can look it up. Um, Let me look it the up. Fa- the fact- curious now. Yeah, the fact that like we have problems with it, um, you start looking at what's happened. I, like, I don't want to get super political here, but with that congress, congressman from Florida using Venmo, trusting Venmo with data, and that's like a social payment platform, and you can go and track who he's paid and who he's paid has paid, right? Like, and the information that's coming out of there is you know fairly damning as to what's going on with him. Um, but that's the whole idea is you're trusting those platforms to protect that data. And they are inherently about sharing data with other people. Uh, so their controls, while they will view that as private, the second that you authorize other individuals to see data, uh, it's going to be shared with those other individuals. And yes, there should have been some sort of scraping controls. They probably shouldn't have allowed for enumeration of accounts via uh via a phone number, an iterative identifier, right? Like I, I, I go back to, this is probably an example of insecure direct object reference, right? Like I've accessed yeah. data that I probably shouldn't have access to. And I'm doing that through a, uh, a number that I can iterate over and over again. I don't know how long it took the, the attackers in this case, like I'm using that term loosely, but um, <laughs> yeah, very loosely. To, to, <laughs> very loosely to actually dump this data. But it, it's an interesting use case, right? Like friends and I have talked for years about um, just gathering up the information that's available online and throwing it into a huge Elasticsearch database. And it's similar to what uh, Troy Hunt over at Have I Been Pwned has been doing is he's just collecting the data that people have already collected and he's giving it back to the community as a resource for security purposes. It'd be very easy to go collect that data and use it for nefarious purposes. Like you were saying, Ken, it would be easy to target, uh, you know, people based on information that's in that breach call someone up, you have their name, you have their birthday, you pretend that you're a bank, you, you know, you also have location data about them. Um, like you can go and find, you know, if they're on LinkedIn, if they're on these other services, you start to tie all this together. And, and that's always been the fear is this kind of police state, this knowledgeable state that, or you know, it doesn't even have to be state, this organization that can put this information together and then exploit people based on it. Like you are fooling yourself if you don't think that other countries are collecting that information. Like, you know, we, we are, um, you know, that all of that's in a big database, probably multiple locations all over the world. And it's being mined for nefarious purposes, whatever purposes those, you know, those individuals and those organizations have. So, so what'd you figure out? Does it have access to your uh, address book? So, I went into my settings and I uh-huh. could not find a setting for it. So I looked it up on their, their support forum and no, it's well, yes and no. So how does signal know my contact is using signal? 
Signal periodically sends truncated cryptographically hashed phone numbers for contact discovery. Names are never transmitted and the information is not stored on the servers. The server responds with the contacts that are Signal users and then immediately discards this information. Your phone now knows which of your contacts is a Signal user and notifies you if your contact just started using Signal. That sounds very much like your phone book was used to ascertain uh, phone numbers. They're cryptographically hashed, truncated numbers. Uh, oh, I don't you know if you can see there? that. No, I'm just yeah. looking at the signal configuration, right? Like the, the system signal, settings, right? System settings, yeah. And yeah. it says context. Yeah. yeah. And I think Why you had to turn someone... that on initially so that you could contact people, right? So it, it is definitely, right. it does have access to the address book. Um, and I don't know how it well says. it would function if you were to turn that off. I have no idea. I know it says also, why did someone see that I joined Signal? People who already know your number and already have you in their contact see that you they can contact you on Signal. Nothing is sent to them by your Signal app or Signal service. They just see a number they know is registered. If someone wants, if someone knows how to send you an insecure SMS, we want them to see that they can send you a Signal message instead. So to your point, your system settings, it's not in the Signal app, but in your system level settings, it has access to your contact book and I'm going to disallow that now. Um, and there was another interesting thing too. Um, oh yeah, no, that's, oh yeah. While I was in here, I was able to like, I didn't realize I had read receipts on. So I turned that off. I hate doing read receipts. <laughs> I hate that. The worst. You, hate that. you hate that people know that you have, let's see. That I have a tendency yeah. to procrastinate on responding to messages. Yeah. I don't want them yes. to know that. <laughs> At all. Oh, you're, you're funny. Yeah. Am I though? I think it's no. just <laughs> terrible. I think I'm just terrible. Yeah. No, but, I, um, no, yeah, I totally strange. agree. Cause that's, yeah, that's, that's one of those that my, you know, it was my, my kids always complain about, well, I didn't know if you got the message or not. Cause your read receipts are off. And I'm like, yep, you're right. They are. For a <laughs> There's reason. a reason for that. Yep. Uh, yeah. No, but I love it when other people have them on. I just hate it when I, I just don't want to have them on. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. So, okay. We're giving information to these platforms, right? So, so it, like we totally went down a signal, you know, <laughs> obviously both Ken and I are on signal. If you didn't know that you do now. Yes, if you didn't. Yeah. Uh, but that's pretty standard. Our contacts. Industry. Or you're, yeah. we're in your contacts, then you definitely know. You already so. know that. Yeah. yeah already it already aware. told us. <laughs> well, and that that's what's always weird to me about, like, taking Facebook out of it, right? Like, you know, even some of these other social social media sites, right? Like, what it, I, I'm going to be honest, the need for, like, a social payment site where I see what other people were paying people for is so creepy and weird to me, right? Like, I just... I don't yes. understand what the point of that is, right? Like, are you really going on Venmo to look and see who's paying like for pizza or like, you know, what, what is the this point of that? This right? happened with my landscaper yesterday. So I had to, I, I, I'm not even kidding. This happened yesterday. I had to go take a photo of their, their like, you know, you can show your QR the code Venmo, and link your code. Yeah. So yeah. I did that and I was like going to make the payment. And then I like saw that, Every, like a bunch of people, not only did they, they, they post what they paid and like what they, um, what they felt about the work, but also what work was done. And I was like, I mean, like, I, I don't think I would want answer customer. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't want people to know that I had, it's just, it, it's not even like something that I'm concerned about. It's just, I don't want, why would I give away more information than I have to? Why would I like that doesn't, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Well, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, and that goes back, uh, you know, as well, like to Nextdoor and some of those other sites that are just so local and, I, you know, you, you're giving away so much information and then you're trusting that the platform is doing something proper with it or secure with it. Um, and then when it does, when, when someone does scrape Facebook and gets all that data, what does, fa what does Facebook do? They turn around and they say, no, no, it wasn't really a hack. And then the other thing, this is what I was going to post. Um, what just came out a couple of days ago is they're actually not going to notify anyone that their you know, their account was exposed. They're just oh, saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's what people really, are upset about. Yeah, yeah. That, that you have to go to Troy Hunt, you have to go to the breach data to actually see whether or not you were in that list. And um, ironically, typing. <laughs> 
Yeah, type in your <laughs> phone number. And your email address. Uh, and so at which point it does, like it's creepily like, oh, actually discovering again, you know, what, what's there or I don't know. It's not, just not a... The, not that I don't trust Troy Hunt. That's not the point. That's not at all the point. The, the point is just kind of, it's just irony and, and it's funny. Yeah, yeah. It's snark. It's snark for the, the sake of being snarky. Yeah, it really is. But but I don't know how to protect against something like this, right? Like I know you, t- you started to talk about anti-automation. Like it goes back to development. It goes back to the application itself. Um, this is why I used to love Google Voice, by the way, because I had essentially a proxy number for my real number. And that was wonderful. Like, um, there, you know, I, I'm sure there's another way to, I'm sure there's services for this, you know, where you can just essentially set up a, a number that gets forwarded to your real number that, so that, you know, if it is, I, I guess that's what I'm trying to say is like, I don't think, I don't know on like a, on a, um, well, I mean, there's, I mean, there's plenty of ways for Facebook to fix this. There's absolutely a thousand ways for Facebook to fix this. That's, that's not the problem, but for as an individual to fix this, because you do have to put your phone number in it. Well, it helps with a lot of the services that, again, someone said this and I, and I love, I love, remember uh, who said this on the podcast? They said, if, if uh, I think it was on the podcast, they said, if you don't pay for the service, you are the service. I think yeah. it's the state. And that's, this is absolutely, but anyways, having a proxy like phone number would be very useful for sure. Um, so long as, you know, obviously it's not tied in any collectible way back to your phone number should you want to because you can like be very specific and you know if you have like an allow list of numbers that you are okay with reaching out to or services that you're okay reaching out to that would be amazing but like i can tell you verizon's still terrible at blocking spam phone calls i get like i still have a nevada area code number so whenever i get nevada phone numbers i know immediately what it is and so i get them all day long i get them i get three a day every day great job verizon Really nailing it on the uh, block and span. Well, now I just told people what my provider is. Damn it. Oh, <laughs> See? <laughs> I just and you're sharing it on YouTube oh, of all places. <laughs> on YouTube. Oh, now everybody knows. Damn it. You got me. You got me. I got me. Yeah. No, but um, uh, no, yeah. anyways. So I just, yeah, I'm getting tons of phone spam phone calls. And we had, who did we have on that talked about the new standards? Yeah, during the conference, or I think it was our first conference, we had someone on, oh, one of the speakers was, talked about the new standard to prevent yeah. this stuff. Um, she's over at, uh, is she over at Auth0? Yeah, um, I, yeah, I'll look up her name shortly. Uh, but like, it, what I was going to say was the, uh, the feature on your phone, right? Like I finally went and implemented like that. Um, basically, uh, Apple has a, an option to only accept calls or iOS. And I know uh, Android does as well, but only accept calls if the person number one is in your contact list or number two, it's a, it's a number that you have reached out to in the past, right? Or like you've already made a call to. So it, it actually eliminates 90%, 95% of those calls from getting through. I see a lot of spam calls come in that just go straight to voicemail or go straight to just being unanswered because of like that new option, whatever it is. Um, but as far as who talked about that, uh, I know it's driving me nuts. Uh, see, I, I know who it is, right? Cause we saw her at uh, DevSecOps days too, I think is where it oh, was. It wasn't cat. Was it? No, it wasn't cat. It was, it's midwinters, midsummer. Let's see. Uh, Neil, Paul, no. No, no, maybe it wasn't on mid. It wasn't Heather. Naomi, no, that's EFF. No, I, I know who you're thinking of. Yeah, because uh, I'd have to go back to. I think it's actually maybe now that you're saying that, maybe it's one of our. Um, it could be one of our episodes. I'd have to go back and look through one of our episodes for like, uh, phone or something like that. I don't know. I don't know what I would look for. It's been so. We've had a hundred. So. Whoa, it was Kelly Robinson here. It was episode 82. Yep, yep. Kelly the Robinson. Shaking and yeah. stir stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and I, yeah, that's, yeah. So go back and listen to that episode, right? Like that's, uh, you know, that's all I'm fun gonna, stuff. Uh, 
But but part yeah. of that is that authentication of user data, right? Like the data that's coming through the phone, the POTS network, um, as far as what's actually being allowed and what's authenticated. Because there's not a lot of authentication there as far as, hey, if I have this number and I tell you that I'm from Verizon, it will tell you I'm from Verizon, right? Like the way that the, the phones trust each other and the data that's sent along with it. I will say that it's gotten better at like uh, the whole potential spam and then silencing it um, while, while uh, you know, basically uh, while I had to do not disturb on it, silence that silences those calls if it's potential spam. So yeah. And anyways. Um, yeah. Well, and that yeah, was it. Ken, Ken Toller brought that up on the, on Slack, right? He's like the only problem he's had is doctor's appointments, right? For spam calls. Cause you call one number and they always call back from another one when they're responding. Um, so you have to watch it pretty closely. Uh, but honestly, it like, it's been a little bit of a hassle for me personally, but it's been worth it uh, that I just like the phone, like at this point I get so many calls. I've been associated with the number for so long and it's, you know, out there on business cards from previous companies and all of this, right? Like it's just, yeah, if somebody wants to talk to me, it's got they've got to leave a message is what it boils down to. Um, but then then you play the game. If that other company is doing the same thing and filtering those numbers, you're never going to actually talk, right? That's, that's <laughs> I did that, but then it turns out my voicemail was full uh, and I didn't know it. And uh, it was like took some text messages to get to figure that out. It's people being like, your voicemail is full. I'm like, you're a fool. And they're like, no, that's not what I mean. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> no, but so yeah, like I definitely, um, I definitely still get spam. It's getting a little better, but still pretty terrible. I don't know how do we get even off on this this conversation? We talked about Signal and from Facebook. I don't know. This is what happens. We don't have any like hard topics for the day. Um, I know one thing Derek asked was like was like uh, where you know channels to get a um, useful information and. Uh, like, like what we monitor for news, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, I monitor your typical sites, register, uh, uh, bleeping computer, like all this, you know, all the tech sites. Um, the, when I said the register, that's not what I meant. Um, Jesus. Uh, uh, Reddit? Uh, <laughs> no. Well, I do, met, I do look at Reddit, but not that often. Um, well, not for... Not for computer security. I actually tend to look at like jujitsu stuff a lot on Reddit more than uh, more than anything. But uh, um, yeah, so Slack is the biggest one for me, Seth. Like I, because you know we're in a couple professional Slacks, so that that one's big, been big for me. But here's the funny thing: like I know I've been bashing the hell out of like security Twitter, basically, right? Meaning bashing is in like it's not been helpful. I thought I went back on and I have like since filtered through sort of like to try and clean up like my, what I'm seeing. And um, so now I'm coming back to Twitter and figuring out where to get useful information. There is useful information there. Um, it just seems like you have to do a lot of work to find it. You, um, yeah. You have to curate, was, right? Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. You, you liberal use of unfollow and following and right. Like, seems to be I have to I go through a cycle and then I'll follow a whole bunch of people and then over time my feed becomes less relevant and then I have to go back through and kind of recurate and retrain the algorithm to give me what I want you know you can create lists and things like that and I, that may not be a bad idea that we actually do that over time is create like an absolute AppSec list of um, you know people we follow for content Ooh, I like that idea. Yeah, because it, it, it would be it would be something that we could share out fairly easily. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm there, really there's... bad at Twitter because every time I do anything on Twitter, I lose followers. So yeah. my numbers actually <laughs> go up if when I, I don't do anything. anything. Yeah, if I say <laughs> one thing, I I just lose followers, and it's not. I, we're not talking about controversial things. We're talking about like uh, we have a podcast today. You know, <laughs> like nothing. <laughs> of any very informational things and like I'll immediately lose followers. So I'm sure that that's uh, me. It's just all the bots. They, Twitter, they, they, right? they, they don't, they don't, they don't like the fact that you're putting out actual content. <laughs> you're not one uh, of us. Yeah, no. Um, I'll start writing my tweets in a very bot like manner. No, I, I mean, the other thing that I recommend on, 
honestly, Clint's TLDR sec, right, yeah, is huge. always tight. Like he spends time like curating that, and it's it's excellent. Um, and then what's Daniel the other Meisler? Uh, Daniel Meisler's newsletter? Both of those newsletters on a weekly basis are amazing, right? Like I, I, I don't know, I can't plug them enough, right? Um, yeah, what were you gonna say? I- I haven't really read um, She Hacks Purple's newsletter. Have you? I haven't. I really haven't read it. I don't. I don't. I, I did like a long time ago, but I, when she first started, I think I read one, but I, I don't know. I haven't really checked it out. If you have, I just know that's another one that people. Let's see. Where? What else? A wasp. Probably not so much. Not getting. Uh, um, I mean, they have their. I haven't seen it actually. Have you seen a newsletter from a wasp? No, no, I yeah. really haven't, right? Like, I, I, I mean, it. OWASP is kind of so disparate. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's the Central Org, there's Andrew, and like the the national level. When's the last time I got? Uh, the but there, it's pretty small. Yeah, I I haven't really paid attention to the global stuff. Um, it's kind of the projects that I end up following, like the OWASP top ten, like Brian and those guys, or you know the, you know, the API stuff that's coming out. So it, it kind of on a project basis, those guys will tweet things out. There's some good things that go on there. Um, now that it's all in GitHub, you can almost star some of those repositories and get information that way as well. Um, I do like the, our, like, I, I know it's kind of a misnomer, but our NetSec over at Reddit, um, it has a lot of exploit data and interesting approaches. Every once in a while, some of like the, I think it's web security on Reddit. That's where um, Port Swigger and um, those guys will actually post content. Um, and it might be security, web security research. I can't remember what the exact exact subreddit is. Um, but both of those are pretty good um, because they are curated as well. Um, so it's not just random stuff. There's, you know, there's some good techniques that come out of there there's some good exploits but that's that's kind of a good touch point for um there's some stuff going on on the application security side of things but there's also a lot going on on the network security side of things and what the exploits and breaches look like those don't always feed over into something like tldrsec or a daniel musler's uh, newsletter um Here's the yeah. question I wanted to answer. It was just like, do you get info from following people or from hashtags? And I've found from following people, but also like I get added occasionally to groups and then I'll just like, if the group looks cool, I'll subscribe to it. And that helps too. Um, so like, you know, there, there's, and admittedly I've, again, I have not done that in a long time because I kind of jumped off the Twitter train for a while just because it was, I don't only so many times I can hear about Donald Trump or whatever people's feelings are of the day that they're pissed off about. And it's like, uh, I can only hear so much negativity in a day. That's to be frank. That's what it was. I just too much political shit, too much, whatever going on. And it just bums me out and it just, uh, it's not for me, but there are lists, there's like lists that you can follow. And so occasionally there'll be like, um, uh, lists that I see that are like interesting. And so I'll just, um, follow those lists. Um, but again, I haven't done that in a long time, so my list probably sucks. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, that, and that's what I'm saying is that's probably where we need to go is we'll create like an absolute AppSec list, right? Of just like, yeah. you know, a news list, a security list, like a couple of those. We, we can start to curate some of that content. Um, and that's one of the things that we're hoping to do is to put together some more community resources out of absolute AppSec. Um, you know, if you're interested in helping us, develop a checklist or, you know, something along those lines. Um, we'd love to have you join. Yeah. Kind of join the team and help us push that out because it's, uh, you know, it's becoming more of a community. We really enjoy doing it. And, you know, yeah, honestly, right. Like if you're willing, let us know. Yeah. I'm excited about this. Uh, the new direction to open it up to more than just you and I to make it more of a community effort to curate content, speakers, trainings, whatever. I, I, this is uh, just, I think there's a lot of value that we, we, we know and we have enough people in our circle and community that we can really, I think, provide like some incredible value 
to everyone and uh, more than just, you know, you and I, obviously we have our opinions and experiences, but those are, those are limited to just the two of us. So uh, it's better to get, I think the, the broader, the broader collectives opinions. And well, yeah. What, what, what were the discussions that we had on diversity? The more people that we include, the better that uh, the quality that we get, the, the, the more experience that gets pulled into it and the different viewpoints are what are interesting to both of us. There's a reason that we have guests on from across the industry, from different backgrounds, from different professions is because that's what it makes us all better to hear those viewpoints. Um, And the more that we can help others, give others a platform to speak about those things, I think is going to be better for all of us in the long run. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, I like being to, I like being able to say, you know, I was wrong. And like, yeah, this person has a take that I can totally see makes more sense. And um, yeah, that's what different voices gives you. So I think that's a good thing. Always reassessing your stances. Yep. Not yep. It is too, too much to one. Yeah. So what was it you learn or when you learn something new? Well, yeah, you do better when you know better. Right. That's yes. Um, yep. Good. Well, I think we're, you know, we're probably, we're at about an hour, Ken. I mean, not yeah. quite, but pretty close. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Um, this is so farther we're... than I thought we'd get, so here we go. <laughs> well, good. Um, if, as always, join us on Twitter, you know, follow at Absolute AppSec or Ken and I personally. Um, join us on Slack. Uh, there's a lot of good conversation that goes on there, good questions. Um, and let us know if there's other guests. I, I know there's a couple of suggestions that have been popped in there uh, and topics that you would like to cover. Um, I know uh, like Eric was bringing some stuff up on LinkedIn about language matters, and that, that might be something we want to have discuss at some point, like what we call different vulnerabilities. Could be an interesting discussion as well. Um, but yeah, d- join us, join the conversation. Like that's what we're here. That's what we're all about. And next week, next week, join us next week to talk about threat modeling and how to get developers to do it. So, you know, you can go take a vacation apparently, because that's what uh, the podcast was all about. <laughs> all right. <Anyway. laughs> awesome. So, uh, yeah. All right. Uh, well, if there's nothing else, we'll just go ahead and call it for this week. Uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us. Thank you. Bye.